0: Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke.
1: I am Pastor Cameron.
0: And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we talk about uncut topics, faith, life, ministry, and we kind of just try and shoot from the hip a little bit, be honest, kind of let our um, hearts show and kind of give some... I don't know, honest thoughts on whatever it is that we're talking about. And today we're not starting with a clear topic necessarily defined, other than just to kind of like turn on the microphones because we're both feeling a little bit tired, a little bit, not physically tired necessarily, but
1: uh, soul tired. Soul
0: tired. Yeah. Um, some of the weariness of trying to serve in ministry, trying to. You know, trying to kind of honor all the different parts of ourselves and things like that. So we thought we would just turn on the microphones and have a conversation about that, about what does it look like to even process when we are weary, when we do not want to do the next thing. Uh, We would rather be, or at least I would rather be in a cabin in the woods somewhere. Yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) Or like, I feel... Like maybe when it's not even that you don't want to do the next thing, but that you have nothing left to give to the next thing. Yeah. You know, like as a, for instance, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, Mm -hmm. almost three o'clock. Friday's my day off. Yep. um, My Sabbath. And then I usually take Saturday off too. So I can have like a weekend like a you know
0: do things with your family right all of that
1: well it's three o'clock in the afternoon on my last day of work um, and I don't have my sermon done and um, I want to have my sermon done and I wish it was done but I'm in a place where my week has been my week has been like just really hard. Um, It's been really emotionally taxing and draining. It's been really spiritually taxing and draining. I've been um, wrestling with some really difficult things and difficult situations and uh, not difficult people, but like um, situations that, you know, the frailties of all humanity are on full display, Mm -hmm. my own included and i'm 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 just like kind of i'm at the end of my i'm at the end of my gas tank for the week Mm -hmm. without there being any like substantial rest or re pouring or refilling which makes it hard because now you know like i'm i i pretty much know that like it the rest of probably after we're done here today. Like I'm, I'm probably going to be done for the week done for the day. Yeah. Like there's no point in me sitting at my desk and staring into my computer (laughs) trying to write a sermon and just have nothing coming.
0: Staring at the proverbial blank page. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm in a similar place. I've just been very, I don't know. I kind of hit this, the beginning of this year, I think, um, I had the sense in talking with you, we both had the sense that this year was going to be a, like, busy year, but also like a year with probably a lot of really crucial things happening and just like a lot needed from us out of as far as leadership here at the church. And I'm hitting, I'm hitting a, uh, I need a breather marker Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, the last couple of weeks have just been a little bit uh, harder for me to bring my best self to just about anything. Um, last night taught um, taught our Wednesday night class, which is um, like love love teaching that class. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, I am, but it's it's an hour and a half of pretty intense talking talking. Yeah, um, and. And if you're, if you've ever had to teach for an hour and a half, you need to know your content pretty well. Um, and so, um, and it's content I enjoy. It's it's like it, you know we're doing spiritual life and like, what does it mean to like grow and what is it? What are the stages of spiritual growth and stuff? I think is really important. But like, yesterday I was just like uh, putting together like this slideshow for it, and I'm just like I'm really struggling to put two sentences together. And today's been similarly, I've been able to anything that requires significant higher brain functioning, I can, you know, move thing from point A to point B or do something kind of,
1: um, uh, I don't know, more paperwork ish. Um Just doesn't require creativity or like no of, yeah. does,
0: doesn't require my creative muscle doesn't require my like emotional muscle doesn't require the like higher capacity intellectual muscle. Um, and there is like a is a point I used to <laughs> I used to have to do this um, I, I don't know when exactly I learned learned this lesson, but there came a point. Maybe it was when I was in college and studying or I don't know. But um, there comes a point when my brain is done. And if I just try and keep going, I might, you know, spend another hour or two hours, you know, paragraph an hour or paragraph half hour. just a really slow writing space, pace because you're constantly like stopping. You're like, that's not right. What I want to say, you're kind of you get it written and then I would come back to it the next day. Or even a couple days later when I had my energy back, and I would just end up deleting everything I wrote while I was in that point of exhaustion because it was garbage. <laughs> right. I'm just not doing work that's quality. Quality. Yeah. It's it's not representative of good thought or where I'm at or what I'm thinking. It's just me trying to do something.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Question. When you have you ever had the situation where someone has asked you whether or not you think they should go into ministry
0: yeah once once or twice i think Mm -hmm. one kind of stands out in particular
1: yeah what do you like how do you approach that question with people and what was your answer
0: so my my answer to, to this one individual in particular, um, I was still, I was in the latter half of my degree, my pastoral ministry degree, and I was really loving the classes I was studying, which I was studying a lot of um, counseling classes. I was doing like, um, uh, d- you know, really digging into how do you work with people who are dealing with suffering and Um, I had like a preaching class, but then I was also doing leadership classes and things like that. And I had a, a freshman come in who I had a previous relationship. He had gone to my church. He had been in my youth group that I had led. And he came and he was very excited to be a pastor. He wanted to be a pastor. And I was just telling him about all the exciting stuff I was learning in my class. And he was like, is that... Is that all the stuff? Like, is that what the majority of your degree talks about? Like, I, I had the benefit; the the degree I took was very practical, so it was meant to con- compete with an MDiv at an undergraduate level with a high emphasis on practicum. So, it wasn't overly like I wasn't taking tons of philosophical classes; was taking a lot of practical questions classes. And he was like, "You're like, how many theology credits do you get?" And I was like, "Oh, like these." He's like. I was like, well, tell me, what do, you, what do you think a pastor does? Like, what do you think a pastor's role? Of, like, what do you envision yourself doing in five years, six years, when you graduate from your program and you're pastor at a church? What do you want to be doing? And he's like, well, I just want to sit in my office and I want to read theology books and philosophy. I want to write and then preach on Sundays. I was like, is that all you want to do? He's like, yeah. I was like, then you shouldn't be a pastor. I just told him if if I was like do you I was like do you have any interest in like someone coming into you and having a difficult like experience or marriage or problem that they're wrestling with their faith and counseling them through that or like giving like just spirit being present with them and spiritual insight to that and he was like, that sounds awful, <laughs> then you should not be a pastor friend um Cause you're not even like, like the, the space you're going to end up in. Like if what you, what he essentially wanted to be was like a. wants to be a professor. wants to be a professor or a high level teaching pastor where all the other pastoral r- responsibilities are off his plate, but you can't get to a position like that without first being a pastor who has all that stuff on their plate.
1: And it's like, okay. you, you should not. Would you, how would your answer change if he asked you now? After having, you know, six, seven years as a pastor.
0: Yeah. I, I'd i still say, like, to him specifically, you shouldn't be a pastor. I think if I asked him, when one of the things that I did is I asked him, I said, why do you want to be a pastor?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was like, well, I, I can't remember specifically, but it was a family member. I think it might have been his grandmother. Had always said, Oh, you'll make such a good pastor someday. Mm -hmm. Um, And he found church to be a really valuable thing in his life. It meant a lot to him. Um, He really loved the jousting of ideas and wrestling with faith and theology. So, like, he was really into the Bible and its correlation and intersection with philosophy and loved all of that. And he just thought that being a pastor was that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's, like, one, like, you, just because somebody said someday that you would make a really good pastor doesn't mean that you should be a pastor. Yeah. That's, he was, I think, in some ways looking, because, like, everybody who starts college as, as a freshman is a little bit looking for direction still, even though they've declared a major, um, and I don't I think he was still maybe living out somebody else's plan for him more than he had a clear vision of his own plan for himself.
1: Yeah, or calling.
0: Or calling. And that was the thing, is that he was absent any any level of calling. It wasn't a like no deep impression from God. If anything, it was a little bit more of a debtor's, like God has done so so much for me. Ought I do this? Like, isn't this just the most faithful thing that I could do? I was like, no, not necessarily. Like, Mm -hmm. especially if you're going to just be a bad pastor.
1: Right. Right. I had a seminary professor once. At least I think it was a seminary. I I guess I'm a little foggy. No, it may have been undergrad it was undergrad it was undergrad um and he and i did an undergrad degree in i did a dual degree it was a religion philosophy major first and then a what was at that point called contemporary ministry which was pastoral ministry essentially yeah and one of our bible professors New Testament scholar who, you know, at a relatively small college, like I went to, Robert's Wesleyan um, College at that point, now University. Um, You know, if you take theology classes, New Testament classes, over the course of four years, Mm -hmm. you're going to get the same professors a lot.
0: Yeah, you're going to get the ones that –
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, in a way, those professors – if they have even a hint of a pastoral heart, end up really pastoring. Yes, those mm-hmm. kids. Those and, do. and I and I would say some of the probably some of the most influential men um, in my life spiritually developing my sense of calling were some of my main professors mm-hmm. in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Casey Davis, Dr. Richard, Richard Middleton, Dr. Andrew Kale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Reverend and pastor Wally Fleming, uh, Dr. Doug Cullum. Um, um, and there was a, there was at one point where we were, we had gotten off topic of whatever the theological topic was. And we were talking about pastoral ministry in general. And one of the, one of my new Testament professors was also a free Methodist pastor And he essentially said something to the effect of, if there is anything at all that you can imagine or believe that you could do Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life, other than pastoral ministry, do that. Mm -hmm. Do that thing. Yeah. Um,
0: I've heard that in several versions or ways.
1: Right. If there is anything else, Mm -hmm. choose that. We went on to talk about, we went on to have a conversation in class about um, those time periods where we enter into a desire to be a pastor for really rose-tinted reasons. Uh-huh. The Your example, I want to just do theology and philosophy, and I want to preach on Sundays, and I want to be well-regarded as a scholar and a teacher. And, yep. um, and uh, a lot of it is um, to have influence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's not necessarily a a purely negative thing. No. We all want to have influence over sure. people. So, I mean, leadership is influence, right? right. we well, be able to lead people to Jesus, influence people towards relationship with Jesus. But sometimes that, uh, that pull towards influence can be a, can be a pull towards our own sense of pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: well, if you've grown up in the church if you were a kid who was raised in the church particularly within the last several decades like who are the like people that your parents right everybody looks up to yeah pastors pastors yep. pastors with the podcasts the TV programs right. the books like
1: yeah well there is still and I still experience this even now in 2023 mm-hmm. there although the culture has shifted significantly in the last 50 years. The last 100 years, um, that there still is a somewhat of a culture over cultural respect for the office of clergy.
0: Yeah. People that
1: would treat other people or other professions or just generally walk around with an air of disrespect to anyone would treat clergy as like a. You know, oh, I will which is we we talked about this in kind of like one of our first episodes, like people who call us pastor rather than Cameron or Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or
0: the the way it always plays out for me is if I encounter someone who's maybe a little bit rougher around the edges and then they find out I'm a pastor and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry, I was just cursing. Sorry, Pastor. Like, you know, like um there is like a I can't remember exactly what it was called, and I know it's out there because they update it somewhat regularly. It's like a prestige index or something like that. It ranks vocations and professions by their perceived prestige, and usually somewhere up in the couple top is pastors. Mm -hmm. Um, I know over the last couple decades uh, with the continued scandals of the church and things like that, um, that... Pastors have kind of dropped on that index a little bit, um, but depending on your your area and where you're at, like no, that exists. Like pastors yeah. still have a bit of a prestige to them as just for the fact of inhabiting the office.
1: So yeah, it's got me interested here. Okay, so let's see. This is I just did. I just Googled occupational prestige index. Um. Clergy's on the list, but it's lower than you might think, maybe. Yeah.
0: I think that's a newer trend. Right. I think it's a newer trend. Um, But we're in a fairly conservative area. Um, Yeah. And so I think that, like, people, even if they're not in the church, maybe grew up in the church or have a respect for pastors who show up and, you know, do a funeral and, Mm -hmm. you know, are. Are in, present in the community. We're in a small, smaller town, city, and so like pastors can have a a, a bigger impact here than maybe they yeah. do in other se-
1: more suburban or large city centers. Yeah. Well, I, I think what what the what the, my professor was saying and what the where the conversation led was not a discouragement of people to respond to a call, right, to ministry but it was an attempt to give us a little bit of a eyes wide open perspective on the difficulty of being in ministry and how it is not just prestige and it is not just philosophy and theology and teaching um, that it is um, that it is it, uh, we find we have our grounding and our identity and our calling mm-hmm. from the Lord but that we work with people yeah and that people um, people are um I am a difficult person you are a difficult person yeah they are <laughs> difficult people right? we, people are difficult and so it creates a really significant, Um, stress a lot of times. John Wesley had this famous saying, he was like, unless God has raised you up for this very task, you will be worn out by the schemes of men and devils. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, unless there is a like, I can do no other thing there is no other thing that God has created me to do or that I want to do um, than, uh like if, if we're not really, really, really connected to the reality or truth that no God has called me and raised me up for this very purpose, for this very calling, for this very task, then... The reality of ministry, the attack of the enemy, the schemes of devils and men will invariably just wear you out. Yeah. Yeah. You end up like either quitting or like doing something extraordinarily stupid. Yeah. You know, some... Type of thing that disqualifies you from ministry, or you, um, you know, just kind of live in perpetual misery and mm-hmm. and agony.
0: Yeah, you can become a embittered. Yeah, you can become the victim. Right, and become embittered.
1: Yep, um, and now that's not all. Of that is to say that ministry is not just. Walking on Legos and bare feet. No, you know it's like it's beautiful yeah. and it's sacred, mm-hmm. and we have a front row seat to the extraordinary brokenness of humanity. But we also have a front row street seat to the redemption that God offers through Jesus. Yeah, and people turning their lives to, over to Jesus and surrendering to Him and walking by faith and experiencing growth and life and hope and um eternity. We get to be with people on some of their happiest days when they're getting married. We get to be with people on some of their most sad days when they're, you know. Burying a loved one, a loved one or or their marriage is falling apart, or they're mm-hmm. dealing with addiction once again, or mm-hmm. they're struggling under the weight of mental illness. And yeah. and all of those things, both the joys and the sorrows of life, they kind of get carried by pastors. Yeah. And um it it becomes it can become a really heavy burden, um, even if
0: you're you confident. are good mm-hmm.
1: at Sabbath, mm-hmm. and even if you are called, mm-hmm. and even if you're healthy yourself. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, you know, I think the pat answer would be like, well, you're obviously not just, you're, you're not resting in the Lord, you're not experiencing mm-hmm. Sabbath. Or maybe you're not called if things are so difficult. Yeah. Or maybe, um, maybe you're not emotionally healthy yourself. Those things may be true. Yeah, they but can be. Yeah, but I like I know you know you. Th- there's not a thing that anyone could do to convince me that I'm not called to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like I am called to pastor people to move people closer to uh, relationship with Jesus so that He can transform their lives. That's my, that's who I am. I believe that's what I've been created to do and mm-hmm. to be. Um, yes, that takes many forms, like many forms of ministry. Um, yeah. But like, there's nothing that anyone could do to make, make me believe or to convince me that that's not my calling, even in the midst of the calling being extraordinarily difficult sometimes, mm-hmm. which is... Um, I think why there's been a, like there's a stick-to-itiveness. yeah, because like, what am I gonna do? Go friggin' sort twisted two by fours at Home Depot for a living? Like, I don't I'm <laughs> like no no. Like, this is who I am. This is what God's created me to do. Um, but it's freaking hard.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, there is something. It's one of those – and, like, I don't want to pretend that there are not other professions and vocations that are difficult and require oh significant things. Yeah, this is just happens to be the one that we're in. We
1: are in and we're talking. Right. Okay.
0: But uh, I had a friend who put it this way, and I'm, I'm sure he was probably quoting someone, but I don't know who, but it has always kind of stuck with me. And he said, you know, he said something about, like, you know, the congregation – doesn't need what you know or what you can do as much as they just need your holiness. Mm. I was like, yeah, like that's a little bit of like, you know, w- cause I, you know, I worked in a grocery store. I've done like work in as like a contractor or like not a contractor, a carpenter, like, not very good carpenter, but I tried. Oh, pastoral um, <laughs> of you.
1: Just yeah. like Jesus. Just was.
0: like Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like that was, you know, those were hard jobs for um, their own things. But one of the things that they didn't require is they didn't require the amount of emotional and personal energy that it required for me to say, hi, welcome to shopping center can I help you find anything today versus like the task of not just writing something that is interesting on a week to week basis, but writing something that is from the Lord. From the Lord. Yeah. And in stewarding my heart in such a way as that I am close with the Lord and I'm drawing other people closer to him where I'm at least pointing the way And then being available to have, you know, uh, you know, anywhere from just little quick side conversations on a Sunday to hour long plus conversations with people in the week about like what they're struggling with, um, their opinions about what I should be doing, like anything, right? Like that requires so much more out of me than, and it doesn't just require what I know it doesn't just require like expertise. It requires me to be someone in a certain sense. And that is, that's different, you know? And and I think, you know, you you can't always name it. Like it's not always easy for some people to put their finger on it. Sometimes when they are interacting with someone who's leading out of a place of, general authenticity and out of cell out of like a place in which they are have been and where they're at versus just leading out of like charisma or skill or um you know but like people can tell the difference if you if you learn if you pay attention you can see the difference between someone who's Operating out of one place and not the other. Yeah.
1: Well, and if you can't see it right away, you will eventually,
0: you will eventually see it.
1: Yeah. Because there is charisma and personality. um, Like we, we will like our, it will rise. It will rise to the level of our character. Um, and so when, if we're abiding in Christ and remaining connected with Christ, right? Mm -hmm. If, if the righteousness of, of Jesus is truly our own righteousness and that's what we're, that's what we're operating out of, right? Then we're operating from a place of his strength within us. But if we're Mm -hmm. operating from a place of just like, I'm, I'm good at the skills of that, that it requires, Mm -hmm. then, uh, will we'll, we'll quickly run aground, you know, you, those things will quickly, quickly run aground on the reality of human frailty and will be exposed for what they are. And that's a sad and sometimes sobering truth, but it's true. You yeah. Know, it is very true, so.
0: I was, there was a book that I read, um, Crucifixion of Ministry, Mm. I do not remember who wrote it uh, off the top of my head, but it was that's the title of it, "The Crucifixion of Ministry." And he had a really a paradigm that I have to remind myself of. Um, and this conversation is reminding me of it again. He 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 didn't love you know. He kind of makes he has this point, and he kind of talks about like the fact that like we need to, as pastors, somewhat die to our conception of ministry. Oh, absolutely. And to ourselves. Yeah. Um, And he said, he's like, his personal preference was not to be called or referred to as a pastor, what was to be referred to as a preacher. And it's not for the reason that I think a lot of people like being called preacher, not because he was necessarily fixated on the act of preaching, as we think, on Mm -hmm. a Sunday morning, where uh, someone gets up, opens the Bible, and, you know, talks, and everyone pays attention, but... More that he was like, No, we are preachers first and primarily, is because we're not the ones doing the work, we're the ones proclaiming what Christ is doing. So, his whole conception was that, like, Christ's ministry never stopped, He imparted it and is continuing to do it through His church. And we, if we have any sort of conception that it's our ministry. And that we're the ones who are going to do the ministry here. Like we've we've missed the train. Mm-hmm. And that it's Christ. And that we should primarily be proclaimers of what it is that Christ is doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not calling you to faith. Christ is calling you to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not walking with you through this pain and difficult circumstance. Christ is walking through you with this difficult circumstance. Mm-hmm. And that was... That's a very rough summary of his book and his concept, but I have to be reminded of that because my default is to just do it myself.
1: Yeah, to show up, to bring yourself to the party. Yeah. Yeah, bring yourself to the work. Right. Where?
0: Really, my job is to to show up and to look around and notice what Christ is doing. Yeah. And point that out to people.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: (sighs) (laughs) Do you think what we're experiencing is like burnout is kind of like the scary term? Yeah. Do you think like, do you think it's just a rough week or do you think that there's any like, like, cause I've, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of people talk about burnout and I don't always, I don't think those conversations have always been super helpful um and and I'm not entirely sure if I've ever really experienced like what would be true burnout I think I've experienced some like pretty down and difficult and exhausting times and places where I've kind of gotten to the end of my rope but I don't know that that was that was more personal growth and personal crisis than it felt like burnout
1: yeah I don't know I don't think so I I don't think it's burnout Um, I, I don't know if it was John Mark Comer that I heard say that the way that he would describe burnout is a, you know, type of experience that, um, that just like your fairly normal rhythmic Sabbath practice does not touch. Yes.
0: That was, that was Comer.
1: Yeah. That it, it just doesn't, he like, okay, you're burnt out when the normal practice of Sabbath is not addressing the place that you're at. mm mm-hmm. um, And I don't feel there. I don't feel there. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm in the, on the edge of it. Maybe we're on the edge of it. Maybe. I don't, I don't think so yeah. though. Um, you know, my, my hope is that even after a few days here of, um, rest, mm-hmm. that there'll be a, a, a much different heart space, head space, physical space yeah. than I'm in <laughs> on Sunday morning. Now that's not to say that, you know, like, um, you know, because I'm gonna be leaving the office today with a sermon not completed, you know, I'm gonna be re-engaging the work of ministry at some point in the next two days to finish that. Right. Um, so and that kind of always, you know, like if I if I don't have my sermon done by the time I leave on a Thursday afternoon, uh Thursday evening, then it really looms in my soul. Yeah. Until the period is put at the end of that sentence. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to actually, like, rest. Yep. So, I don't know. We'll see what the weekend brings. Yeah. Um, you know, hoping for some believing for, I'm believing for some mm-hmm. some rest that I, I can't produce on my own. Yeah. But that the Lord uh, meets with me. Yeah. And brings... Into my life because having another week like this is not, you know, back to back or whatever, it will not be, will not be good. Wouldn't be good for me. No. Um,
0: no. Well, and I, I do think, like, um, at least for myself, and I think for you, is I think we've been doing personal work and we've been doing like ministry work long enough. To know that just because we have a tough week where we feel like we're just slogging it out, does not mean that we've we, we've done it enough to have the perspective to know that next week might very well be very different. Mm-hmm. Like I've had enough, I've had enough down days to know that down days pass. Yep, and I've had enough good days to know that good days pass too. Mm-hmm. like i just like i uh <laughs> sometimes if i'm having a particularly rough day i just you know what it's time for me to go to bed yep. because i just need to start the day over i need to yep. start fresh yep. um like i will and and sometimes it's a bit of a, a bit of a battle but i think i've gotten to a place where i can sometimes for the most part i don't i don't usually have a hard time falling asleep and that's because i usually know that if i were if I can just fall asleep and wake up rested that my opinion and perspective and feelings about whatever it is I'm stressing about will be different in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very tired. I'm very tied to my physical rest. Mm -hmm. If I am not physically rested, um, I just know that I am not thinking and seeing things clearly. And Mm -hmm. so I know that about myself. Um, But I guess all that to say, and just share if anyone listening, is like, we're not panicking.
1: No. No, it's not. It's not, you know, like, send in the troops, we need help. It's just that, hey, this week was hard. Yeah. And ministry is hard. And, um, you know, you probably had a hard week, too. Yeah. I know, like... You know, uh, my my wife is a stay at home mom. Her job was really hard this week mm-hmm. for several different reasons. You know, yeah. we're not the only ones that have hard weeks. Everyone does, right? And I think we're just reflecting on how what what are the particularities of difficult weeks when you're in ministry? Because there's not always a whole lot of understanding of like of that, like oh your week couldn't possibly be bad. You're a pastor. You know, you work in a church. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Sometimes the work can feel a little invisible because it's, it is, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those jobs. It's really hard to like, okay, so what does a pastor do Cameron?
1: mm
0: -hmm. Right? Like, Oh, that's a really hard question to answer. Cause are you asking, am I asking for your hourly itemized task list which looks really random <laughs> at times yeah. you know mine does mm-hmm. uh, or am i asking like what is it is that you're trying to accomplish right like um like it can be a really difficult question to ask yeah. that, answer that
1: yeah mm-hmm. right so if you're out there and you're listening and you've had a difficult week um we're with you yeah and we pray god's best for you and Mm-hmm. Maybe that you get some rest here uh, in the next few days and yeah. able to see things a little bit more clearly and feel his peace and his presence with you and uh, allow him the space that he desires for you so that you can receive the gift of rest yeah. from him.
0: That's
1: mm-hmm. what I want to do. That's what I want.
0: Yep. Yep, just some i don't know there's like a a lack of like for me rest is not just like sitting still it's a lack of striving mm. to some degree of just being willing to like yeah i don't have that figured out yet but yeah. i'm, I'm going to trust that's being okay right now
1: yeah yeah i like that yeah. i like that So, okay. all right well if you have any um we continue to want to be able to uh, address some of the questions or topics that are important to yeah. our listeners, or our viewers, or whoever you may be. Um, so uh, you can text those into our mailbag seven one six two zero one zero five zero seven. That is seven one six two zero one zero five zero seven, and we'll you know have some mailbag episodes coming up. Uh, also, for those of you who watched the last um, episode, today's energy drink is a Jocko Go Citrus Psycho flavor. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, Jocko still the wait for my sponsorship letter, but I'll just set that here for you. Uh, thanks for listening to the Uncut Podcast. We'll see you next time.